You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Essential Apple Podcast. And uh, I played that, the last post, uh, because it's Remembrance Sunday, and uh, that's in honour of all the fallen everywhere. Thank you very much. Right, on with the show. I have with me, of course, Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, Simon. How are we doing on this lovely, lovely Sunday afternoon? Well, pouring with rain here, but other than that, you know. Oh, we've we've had the floods. It's it's like the only day this week we haven't all been sodden in our small area of the world. Jolly good. And I have with me and Mark. I have Jeff Gamut, uh, former uh, was it managing editor at TMO. Yep, and <laughs> uh, and but not anymore. No, exactly. Not anymore. So, uh, first of all, I guess we'll we'll start off. Uh, tell us all about that, Jeff. Tell us all about that. Well, this came as a surprise to a lot of people uh, w- when I announced I, w- I was leaving the Mac Observer. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a big surprise. But it's also really cool because now I work at Smile and I'm their text expander evangelist which is a really cool job and as we're recording this was this has been a uh, a week so i i lived through my first week with smile and uh wow what a bunch of great people so i'm pretty excited excellent excellent and uh i know uh kelly kelly gamont has taken over from you on the uh daily observations yes and i'm really happy with that because when it came time to decide who was going to take over daily observations for me, the first name that came to mind was Kelly Gumont. And so I was really happy when everything worked out so she really could take over the show. And I've been on as a guest, which was fun. And I just love the way that that she's taken the show. And instead of just trying to emulate me, she's putting her personality into it so right so it's it's now an hour long show then uh, but it's a fun show <laughs> no no i'm teasing kelly kelly is lovely she's been on this show a couple of times mark always says i love it when kelly comes on because we just say hello kelly and we just let the recorder run you know isn't it great to have people on that actually have opinions they want to share oh yes definitely no it's, kelly, it certainly makes your job there. easier it does indeed. We were all quite sad, or I was definitely sad, when uh, originally you said that the Apple context machine would be no more as you were leaving. But mm-hmm. Brian uh, re- went back on that, didn't he? Reneged. But reneged. Brian, Brian totally reneged on uh, on 
ending the show. The reason we announced we were ending the show was because when we made that announcement, we seriously, legitimately were ending the show. It just seemed like with the chemistry that Brian and I had and and just the, the way the show worked, that replacing me with someone else wasn't going to give people the same show. And and it just felt like, you know, that that was the time to wrap it up. And we made the announcement and we started getting all this feedback from people saying, no, please don't stop the show. And so eventually Brian decided, you know, there's enough people that really don't want this show to end. So uh, well, well, you maybe... know, got a lot of loyal listeners, you know, it's a good show. It's been going a long time. What was it? 400 and what was it? I forget now. I want to say, oh, geez. Was it 470 something? Uh, it was right around there. It's funny because I still have all the show notes on my hard drive. So if I wanted to, I could go and look at the last episode that I was on, the Halloween episode, and, and give you that episode number. But it, it's it around take, 470. Yeah. Did it take you a long time to get out of the cupboard? <laughs> you have no idea. The, those uh, those interns, man. Oh, well, that's payback. That was that was payback for all those years of mistreatment. Totally deserved payback. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I know. Um, I haven't actually listened to Brian's first uh, ACM yet. I'm sure it will take him a while to find his feet, but I'm sure it will be uh, a perfectly good continuation of the show. So yeah, it, it's. Uh, he, he had Jim Tannis on, uh, and. Okay. And Jim, he, uh, he he wrote for Mac Observer for a while, and then he started his own site, Tech Review. Ah, okay. And so, uh, so he's doing cross-platform coverage there. And Jim is such a great guy. So it seemed like a, a, a really nice first guest, or I don't know, Brian hasn't told me if Jim is his new co-host. So I, I don't know what the format is is going to be there, but what a great way to start that show. We I think we all probably uh, most of the leaders will know of Smile, makers of uh, PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, and mm-hmm. of course Text Expander. I'm sure most people know about it, but just give us a quick give us a quick lowdown on on what those two uh, tools are for. Oh sure. So so PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, uh, th- those are PDF viewing and editing apps for mac os and ios and they well honestly these are tools that i've been using for years before i uh, i i started working with smile uh, as someone that came out of the graphic design world and had to live with adobe acrobat like and use it every day when i discovered pdf pen pro that that was it i like that day i stopped using acrobat and have never used it since that huh. that's how much better it is i think um, and then text expander. Now that that I'm working with Smile and I'm the text expander evangelist, people have been asking me. So exactly, w- what is it and why do you use it? You know, for, so for those people that don't know, what text expander does is it, is it lets you automate the the stuff that you type and do over and over, so that you don't have to worry about wasting time and. Uh, uh, so you can make these little shortcuts, little snippets. And so you type uh, uh, a few letters or, or characters, 
And then it automatically expands out into words and phrases with formatting, and uh, you can you can make forms so that you can uh, you can type something and then f- like fill in a name and and then have it auto generate the rest of of an email for you. On on a simple level, I use Text Expander every day. Like if I need to give someone my email address or my phone number. I have different email signatures that I use, so I can just have Text Expander pop those in when when I need them. And I, I realized yesterday, as I as I was thinking about how I'm really using Text Expander, it's my personal assistant for accuracy and efficiency. That I mean, that's it in a nutshell. All that stuff that I that I'm doing all the time, which is just so repetitive with typing, Text Expander handles that. I'd be hobbled trying to use my Mac or my iPhone, or my iPad, or Windows in my virtual machine without Text Expander. Oh, there you go. You were just saying before we went on the air that uh, you replaced your SSD. And I've, I think I've had a similar experience where I've set up a new machine. I do think I used to have Text Expander. I need to go and see what happens to that. But you you come back to a machine, and then you use your shortcuts, and they go, oh, it's not working. And it feels so weird when you lose that ability. Like, for example, I type at at to give my email address or uh, at colon to give a sign off to say sincerely, Mark, then give my email address. And just those little things, when you start using them, they become so quickly ingrained. And it's a little bit like training for shortcuts on iOS. Once you remember them, you actually do start thinking, how the hell was I doing any of this before now? Oh, I know. It's, and it's amazing how often someone needs my physical address. So I, I, I set up a, a snippet that has that in it. And, uh, and now instead of having to type Jeff Gamut and return, and then here's the street address, return, Boulder, Colorado, 80301, blah, 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 and all that, I, I just type JAD, Jeff address, and it's in. It's done. And now someone has my my physical address. They have my phone number. They have my social media uh, names. And just boom, it's done. And it's right every single time. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Always right. It's always right. I know um, when we had uh, Bob Levitas on the show, he was um, he's a really big fan of of, of all those sort of things, text expander and uh, well, anything that can you know, speed up things and make life easy and always right. Mm-hmm. A huge, uh, huge advocate for, for all those things, Quicksilver and, uh, or that was it, Keyboard Maestro, all of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah, so, all great tools. Indeed. You also mentioned about um, PDF Pen. Now, this is one of my biggest bugbearers because at the moment I'm having to do a lot of form filling. Oh, yeah. And I still can't work out for my life why people think in this day and age for the majority of things using Microsoft bloody word (laughs) to create a form is any level of acceptability because you can go in and you'll just break it so, so easily. And it's my biggest thing. So PDF pen is something that I've been looking to dabble with. And you touched on it earlier about uh, coming away from Adobe, uh, Adobe Acrobat or Adobe Reader did you pull away from? Adobe Acrobat. Because I because I was doing a lot with uh, not just reading PDF not well not was am and uh, it was more than just reading it was also I have to go in and edit a PDF I have to go in and uh, and and fill out a form or make a form 
actually here's a here's a great example of how i was using pdf and text expander together when i worked for mac observer uh mac observer has a bunch of freelance writers so every month i would have to generate the uh the payment report for for each writer send them their report listing everything they had written so they could verify that that everything looked right and uh and then once they'd verified that then we'd send their payment out because you don't want to shortchange anyone i mean people work hard they deserve every dollar pound that they've made so what i would do was take the initial report which generated out as a pdf with everyone's information in it and then with pdf pen i would break that out into individual reports for each person and then with text expander i had a uh uh, a snippet that was a fill-in-the-blank form pop-up menu combo thing. So um, I could type my little snippet in mail. It, uh, it would give me this little block where I select the the email address for the person that I'm sending the report to. And then I have another place where I would just type their name. And then I click the, the little OK button. And I had this email completely done for each person and uh and and their pdf attached to it i could send it off and that way i knew it was always accurate i never had to worry about uh sending the wrong report to uh to someone or getting their name wrong in the email and it took a, a process that would easily be an hour of my time or more and turned it into a 10 minute project. It's it's amazing how much time that saved me. Yeah. I I've been in, a, in my last job. Uh, I had a stab at using Adobe Acrobat to create a form and it was at this point that I don't know people just seem to use Word because it's so entrenched and it doesn't take a lot to find like something like PDF uh, pen from small software because you guys You've been around for quite a while, haven't you? PDF Pen ha has been around for a while. At, well, and Smile has been around for a really long time. If uh, if, if you go and, and look way back, so we're talking pre-OS 10 days, as I recall. My, my, uh, my history, when you get back far enough, it's hard to remember which version of, of Mac OS is which. But uh, they started off with PageSender. Which was a faxing application, and uh, and I refused to get a fax machine back when I had my my own uh, uh, consulting business all those years ago. So uh, um, I got PageSender and put it on a on the iMac and had it had it plugged into the little phone line. And if I ever needed to send or receive a fax, I would just fire up PageSender and do it. It's it was a lifesaver back in the day. Faxes, blimey, that that's going back a what? Does anyone still use them? Uh, yes, unfortunately, a surprisingly large number of industries still rely on faxes. Um, yeah, my colleague at work uh, recently moved house, and you know the estate agents and the solicitors were constantly ringing up saying, "Can you fax us such a fax? Where am I going to get a fax? I haven't had a fax in his office in like ten years." But uh, no, they still, you know. They still insist on having things faxed, faxed documents. So. I know. And, and the places that say, well, we do it for security reasons. Oh, give me a break. There's <laughs> literally no security with a fax. I would love to see 
I would companies like that. I'd love to see. I go. Can I see your uh, your policy and regulations on safe disposal of personal information? <laughs> it's like I, I, I've been going through a, a whole slew of applying for jobs, and I I've sort of got wise now. I don't put my full address or um, my full email on my CV because the amount of times I've got they they just sound shady. Oh, can we have a copy of your passport? No, no. you can freaking not. I don't know. And I go, can I have a copy of yours? Oh, it's company policy. Well, so is mine. And I, I try to explain to them, you want my passport to send to you with your website that doesn't even have a padlock on it. And you think that's okay. <laughs> or they're two entirely different things. Then I just start getting really narky and go, how can it be different? It's both security. But then I just realize I'm just being a little bit cranky. <laughs> you know, when it comes to protecting your personal data, a little bit cranky is an acceptable thing. Because yep. that, that, that means you're on guard. I mean, I, I get needing to verify a passport for citizenship, but that's not when you're applying for a job. That's that's when you've gone through the whole vetting process and it goes both ways. They vet you to see if you're going to be a good employee. You vet them to see if they're going to be a company that you want to work with. And once you've built that that trust and they're ready to hire you, okay, now now you can do that verification. But oh no, people, if someone says Hey, as part of our job application, we need we need your passport, your driver's license number, and, and all this other stuff. Don't send it. No, I I I get it. I'll tell you what. I'll give it to you and the commission for finding me a job if I get the job. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, you've just turned it around on me now. <laughs> but this does bring us with the whole form and security thing. Uh, like I say, I'm a big advocate of trying to use PDF forms and automate that sort of process. Uh, I've used Adobe. Um, Acrobat a little. Now, you've got your iPad Pro, haven't you? Have you been using sort of PDF Pen on the Pro? And have you sort of noticed, uh, you know, with it being such a powerhouse, does it sort of shine through the applications that you're using and the ones that you're representing? Oh, yeah. It's it's, uh, at at the risk of potentially jumping ahead, excuse me, or or at least foreshadowing my my iPad Pro ever since I got the first generation 12.9 inch model when that came out has been a workhorse production machine for me which means that I have to work with with PDF on a regular basis and so PDF pen on the iPad is the way that I go because it it works really well and uh, and and it takes that frustration out that I, I would otherwise experience just trying to deal with PDF content. I mean, if you're just reading a PDF, okay, well, there are plenty of options. I mean, the the books app on iOS will will let you read a PDF. But if you need to do more than just read a PDF, then uh, yeah, that's where PDF Pen comes in. And uh, and being able to use Text Expander as my my uh, part of my my typing system, just like I do on my Mac, is great. And and I love that uh, that all my snippets are just everywhere. I never have to think about it. So if I make a new snippet on my iPad, I see it on my Mac. Same thing. Make it on my Mac, it's on my iPad. And uh, since we can have third party keyboards like virtual keyboards on uh, on iOS. Uh, of course, I'm using Text Expander there because all of the same things that I need to type accurately and quickly on my Mac, I need to do it on my iPad too. 
So why not just have the exact same system both places? So yeah, both helped me a lot with uh, with using my iPad as a production machine. I didn't realize that Text Expander had its own keyboard. Yes, and it's uh, it's pretty awesome. So uh, um, when it when you're using on an on an iPad, it it knows if you're using the on-screen virtual keyboard or if you're using an external keyboard. So it just works. And uh, and then on my iPhone, it's just one of the, the keyboard options that I have. So I, I just have that set. And uh, and when I'm typing on my, on my iPhone, it's a lot more accurate because I, I've also disabled the autocorrect, which means that I'm having far few issues with the wrong words appearing in stuff that I type. There's a lot more, a uh, lot less ducking going on. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might as well stay on the the whole iPad thing. It is in the show notes and uh, everything. Else. So we we have got a link here about what reviewers are saying about the new Apple iPad Pro. What's your take on it? And obviously, it's going to be interesting coming from you, having worked at TMO in I would assume you've been pretty hands-on with all of the pros. What's your take on it overall? My take is that there's a lot of people that like to review a product based on their own personal use case and not uh, look at a, at a product based on what it, it's capable of doing and, or, or looking at it from a more uh, general audience perspective. Uh, how, how's that for, uh, for uh, a nice way to... <laughs> I that 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 is the the best sitting on the fence I've no, ever. That is I, exa- no, I, I I agree with Jeff there because I've linked at least two different. Uh, I think it's two, just two different reviews in the in the show notes. Obviously, they're all over the web everywhere. But I read uh, during the week. I read two basically completely conflicting reviews. One saying this is a fabulous device. It's brilliant. It's you know, there are some uh, uh, limitations in iOS 12, which Apple need to overcome maybe in an iOS 13 uh, to, you know, allow better multitasking, better access to the file I, system, that sort of thing. It's not even um, as dense as that. It's just the ability of being able to, uh, what I have the other day, I was bouncing a file or I used a share sheet and I wanted to save it either on my iPad or on iCloud Drive and I couldn't create a folder. I had to come out, go into files, pre-create the folder, go back into the app, then push it out, and then I could do it that way. So that was like, oh, God, this just feels tedious. Yep. And uh, and that's an iOS issue, not an iPad or an iPhone issue. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the thing with the iPad that, well, looking at the start screen, the start screen has still got the sort of weird icon spacing, like it's an iPhone screen put onto an iPad. And you would have thought by now they would have just changed it just a little. Or do you think that's intentional to keep it so much the same between devices that it breeds familiarity? I, I, I think that's exactly why the iPad home screen looks like the iPhone home screen. It's it's consistency, it's familiarity, and you don't have to think about how you interact with your applications on an iPhone versus an iPad. You're just thinking about how you interact with your applications because it's the same in both places. Uh, that said, of course, there there are all kinds of places Apple can improve iOS specifically for iPhone and specifically for, for the iPad. 
and we, we've seen improvements over the years. I don't imagine that's going to end, so we will continue to see improvements. But that said, I think iPad Pro is a fantastic production machine, and I'll throw in the caveat, which is exactly the same caveat I'll throw in for an iMac, a MacBook Pro, a Mac Mini. If it's the right tool for the job, it's fantastic. But if you, but if you want it to be something that it's not, then you will be disappointed. So for me, the iPad Pro is not a podcasting machine, at, at least if I have to, to do the, the production myself. Uh, I prefer to do that on a Mac. But everything else that I do, I can, I can do it really well on my iPad Pro. And uh, sure, there are some things that right now are more efficient for me on my Mac. And that's okay. I mean, there are different tools that I use in different ways. But uh, if, I, if I leave my desk and I'm going to be doing serious work, the only time I'll take my Mac instead of my iPad Pro is if I know I'm doing something where the specific task is, is better suited for the Mac, which means most of the time my laptop sits on my desk as if it's just a desktop. I, I am with you on the whole thing of when people review the iPads, they're reviewing it. Is it for them? And you see all these clickbait articles go, why I think the new iPad is a failure, why I think the new iPad is a success. I talked about this on the show last week. I think what I would like to see is Apple actually have some pro apps themselves. Because if you look on the, um, on the App Store, there isn't really that much with the word pro in it or what you would what you would consider a pro app i mean it's taken this long uh, for adobe to sort of put uh, photoshop on the ipad i have a hypothesis yes, on that, that but finish your thing and that and then and then we'll talk about the photoshop thing yeah so the photoshop well with the photoshop thing it was yes it was really brilliant that you could have all those layers and drill down and edit one flower but you know that actual art piece was created on a desktop thing so yes it's nice to be able to do a small edit but i don't know if it's i don't know if it's the right word the the uh, the photoshop demonstration seemed a little bit disingenuous i would have liked to see you know proper I, people create i think the truth about that mark is you know they've come out and they've said we're going to have real photoshop on the ipad um and the truth is it's not done they're not gonna they're not releasing it until 2019 and even then they no, said it, it's gonna not all... you know it's gonna have a core set of features which will expand over time. So, in other words, it's not done. Yeah, but it's it's anyone who uses Photoshop will be able to sort of you know use the keyboard shortcuts and all that sort of stuff. You know, real serious Photoshoppers, you know, know all their key bindings and stuff like that. But even so, all right, if you if you remove Photoshop from the argument, the web itself still really hasn't caught up to the iPad. There's a few banking applications, the government website, uh, council-based websites that when I go onto my phone, I can use them, but I can't interact with them uh, in a sufficient way. But on the iPad, I can interact with them better, but the website is so clunky and so basically in the 90s still, it renders the iPad almost, you sort of like have to go, oh, right, okay, frustration point, reach, get up, and go back to the Mac. Yeah, and, and that's, I don't think, an iPad problem. I think that's a touch interface issue. And it's it's something that I I see people dealing with on Surface tablets, on Android tablets, on Kindles. And it's a problem where the the people that are actually developing these sites they need to catch up with the times. 
because because people are using more and more, and in many cases, primarily or exclusively mobile touch interface devices. And all of these government and banking and and other uh, stodgy institutions that are running, like you said, their 1990s websites, man, they need to, to catch up with the times because the frustration you're having, it's the same frustration I have and the same frustration that my friends using Surface or Android tablets are experiencing as well. And it just sucks. But the, the one thing that gets me about that is when Tim put up that slide saying that we've sold more iPads than uh, all the laptops in the world combined, you know, paraphrasing there, mm-hmm. you would think that the people doing these websites will have stats and should see the demand for them if it, you know, if they were being used in that way. Yes, and here's another big problem. And, and my insight on this comes from also being... Uh, uh, involved quite a bit on the back end of 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 website construction and management. It's amazing how many companies do not look at their stats. They have no idea who's really using their sites, and and their design decisions are being made by people that that are essentially operating blind because they don't know. And they they also don't care in sometimes, but they also won't listen to the people that do know because when they do listen, all they're hearing is I have to spend more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked perfectly well for the last ten years. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how often you hear that sort of thing. And then in the next breath, they say, and why is my site not the the top hit on Google? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because Google customizes your results for you. That's why. I, I tried to explain this to a client once that Google does a lot of personalization based on you. So what he searched for and what I searched for came up with two different things, similar Mm-hmm. but different enough. I'll never forget the one time when the site was Essential Mac um, in the first year, it was predominantly uh, desktop based. And I think I, w- I randomly went in and checked the next year and it shifted to something like 66% were on a phone, 20% were on a desktop and the rest were tablet. And over the years, I've seen those sort of figures, the, the iPhone obviously way ahead, but seeing a tablet use creep up and up and up. It's just really interesting. Oh, yeah. And, and I do know people that have either already made the transition to a tablet, whether it's an iPad or a Surface or, or some Android tablet, as their primary computer, or they have said, when I need to replace my whatever the computer is, this time I'm getting, and then whatever the tablet is. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going back to the reviewers as i said i read two almost you would think they were talking about two completely different products because one guy basically praised it and said you know there were a few flaws in it but that you know over time they were either you know related to restrictions in ios or um you know things that apple could probably address and the other guy was well it's got USB-C, but you can't plug in a hard drive Oh, you know, I bet all your oh, I bet all your yeah. USB sticks are USB A, so you know that's useless. And I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, who really? What percentage of iPad Pro users 
actually feel the need that they need to plug in a one terabyte hard drive or to stick a USB stick into it. Really? And how many? Besides which, you know, all right, mm-hmm. I don't know about USB-C, but for several years now, you can buy those double-ended USB sticks with lightning on one end and, and USB-A on the other. So that's sort of, uh, I'm just like, you're not reviewing that in, in the way, as I read it, I thought you're not reviewing that in the way most people want to use that. You're reviewing it as if it's a, a laptop. It's not a laptop. It's not a laptop. But you can, if Apple added in the ability to plug in, like directly plug in external storage, you could essentially use this like a laptop, get a USB-C dock hub thing that sits on your desk. And uh, and when you sit down at your desk, you plug in your iPad Pro, and now you have your full size keyboard. You have a big display. You have uh, you have uh, a microphone plugged in and headphones plugged in. And and if the file system gave us direct access to external storage, okay. If you really need to have an external drive with stuff on it, there you go. Um, there are times when I'm traveling, like at a conference or something. And I have some sort of digital asset that I would like to use that's on a USB stick. Okay, it would be nice to have a way to to mount that on my iPad and get the files off. I have no problem using a dongle to uh, plug in a USB-A stick into a USB-C port. That uh, that's that's no big deal. And I yeah, I I would be totally fine with that. But unfortunately, at the moment, iOS doesn't read mass storage, does it? It just, it doesn't, it's not there. No, it's not there. Uh, and and for most people, it doesn't matter. For the handful of us that have very specific use cases where it would be really nice to to access external storage, all right, yeah, it's frustrating today, uh, but I expect that at some point, Apple's going to address that. And yeah. I expect the reason that we don't have it today is because they're figuring out what's the most efficient and most secure way to allow us to have external storage connected to uh, to our iOS devices. And will that be iPad only, or will it also work on the on the iPhone? I'm going to be more cynical than that. I'm going to say they don't do it because they want people to buy their iCloud backup plans. Yeah. So everything can be backed up. It's always on. You, let's say it, you're very rarely going to want or need to use an iPad without being on Wi-Fi or connected to cellular. Yeah, which is great until you need to get a file from someplace where you don't have another way to, to get that file. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that uh, the fact that we can't connect external drives is uh, uh, playing into at least some degree uh, iCloud subscription sales. You know, even if I could connect tons of hard drives and, and thumb drives and stuff to my iPad Pro, I would still be paying for my iCloud subscription because that is hands down the cheapest data insurance policy for my devices that I can imagine. Oh yeah, I've I've had this experience. It the other week I sold my original iPad Air and I was thinking, is everything is everything backed up, everything backed up? And I thought, well I haven't used it for a month. I've been using my iPad Pro. And so I sort of felt beyond comfortable going, Yep, factory reset and that's it, blanket. Knowing, you know, fairly certain I had everything backed up into the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, how how about if I share with you my uh, my app setup on my iPad Pro? And ah, yes, we always love to hear what people have got installed. Yes, yeah. we can. We um, like that, don't we? And so this started with my with my first gen iPad Pro, and I do have the new USB C iPad Pro now. Um, so it didn't change between the two. I uh, um, I have. Uh, well, of course, I have PDF Pen Pro and Text Expander both installed because I just can't function without those. And then for um, uh, hold on, actually, I'll wake it up and, I, and then I can really tell you what I have on here. Um, it's got Face ID, hasn't it? The new iPad is that? Did you um? How is it compared to the Face ID on the ten? Face ID on the iPad is the bomb. It, it's like it feels to me because it's so good and so transparent that Apple designed Face ID for the iPad and then held it back and figured out how to shoehorn it into the iPhone. Really? It's, I'm, I, and I know that's not what they did, or at least I presume that's not what they did, but holy crap. It, it's like Face ID was designed for the iPad. It's just wonderful. So, all right, here's what I have that I use all the time. If I'm writing, I write in Ulysses on the iPad. And that's because it, it's a just a really solid writing app, and uh, and it syncs automatically, so I can have the same documents on my iPhone, my iPad, and my Mac. Um, and then I, uh, of course, I have Slack on there for all the different communication stuff that I'm doing. I have Trello on there for for all the different project management stuff that I that I'm doing, and I'm using Fantastical to uh to stay on top of my calendars um and i may start playing with BusyCal on here because you can put BusyCal on ios now i have one notes for keeping track of uh of different notes and documents uh, of course i have uh, uh dropbox installed because i need to get stuff from dropbox uh, i have google drive i have uh Oh, I have I have Google Sheets because I do a lot of stuff with spreadsheets, and um, let's see. Uh, I I have uh, uh, Prompt on here, which is a, a command line interface, so I can uh, can can connect to servers remotely through the command line and uh, and control them just as if I was using Terminal on my Mac. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's it's fantastic and uh, and it's great because uh i i have raspberry pis in my place also and i'm and they're always doing different little experiments or projects for me and um and i'm turning one right now into a cloud server so for the very initial setup i really had to plug it into uh to a monitor and a keyboard so that i could get the the initial setup process going but then once I was done with that, everything else that I've been doing for the setup, I've been doing with prompt on my iPad. So I, I'm not even in the same room as the Raspberry Pi. I'm just sitting on my iPad and uh, and getting everything set up. If I really, really need to see the screen, I, I have VNC Viewer installed. So I just VNC into it. And, uh, and now I've got the, the Raspbian desktop on my iPad. And and I control that too. Excellent. So uh, I'm just I've just brought this. Is that prompt from uh, Panic Software? Yes, it is. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. It's it's fantastic. I mean, there's a bunch of of uh, 
of terminal apps that you can get for iOS, but Prompt has just been so fantastic for me. So why would I not use it? Um, why indeed? Yep. And uh, and I have TunnelBear installed, so I have a good VPN. And uh, I have a bunch more stuff installed that I'm just using all the time. But there you go. That's a handful of what I'm using all the time on my iPad Pro because it's a it's a serious production machine for me and it works really well. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, I think, uh, Mark, shall we uh, all go and refresh our beverages while we go over to John in the hardware store? Uh, and John has some uh, sub $100 gift type ideas for us this week. So take it away, John. Nemo's hardware store is particularly fond of a company in Portland, Oregon that handcrafts and hand designs all their products. Real people, real materials, real products, real good. Company is Grove Made. G-R-O-V-E-M-A-D-E. Website is grovemade.com. When you go to their website, you can learn about the company and you can see their variety of items. The very first item that I see on the website now is their iPhone cases. We've been designing and building cases in our workshop since 2009. Our method remains unduplicated, ensuring a unique case made with premium materials. They sent me the $99 US walnut iPhone case that is absolutely beautiful, made of real wood. It comes in two components. There's a back plate made of real wood with an adhesive that goes onto your phone. And then there is a bumper style surround that goes around it with the correct amount of ports and buttons and openings, just like you would need. Now, why do you want to spend $99 on a walnut or any iPhone case that doesn't have full body protection and you can't take deep sea diving or climbing to the top of Mount Everest? If you want to support a beautiful handcrafting company that makes gorgeous products out of real ingredients, you will definitely be a fan of the walnut iPhone case from grovemade.com. You can read about it, and a little movie will tell you how they make it and how it works with all their specifications. Grovemade, in my opinion, is products for the person who has almost everything, because once you have these, you do have everything. The second item from Grovemade that I strongly recommend is their wireless charging pad, and this works great on the iPhone 10 or any of the Qi or Qi chargeable devices. The one they sent me is $79 US called Wireless Charging Pad Lite. Medium color cork on top of a metal base with an attractive red USB cable sticking out of it. And they also give you the plug to plug it into the wall. And again, it's beautifully handcrafted. It does look great. People walk into my office and say, what is that thing? Is that a coaster? Do you put your hot coffee on that? Is it a plate warmer? What is it? Why is your iPhone sitting on there? Well, the reason is I set my iPhone on there and it charges it. Now, I realize there are much less attractive and more utilitarian ones for a lot less money. This one is not only a conversation piece, it is beautifully constructed. If I had to get one of these devices, I would get the charging pad over the case because the charging pad is magnificent and it will last forever and you will use it for your next hundred generations of wireless charging. But that walnut iPhone case sure looks great on the iPhone 10. So have a look at grovemade.com. I think you will be as impressed 
as I am. Final item this week from Nemo's Hardware Store is a true stocking stuffer called the Odin. O-D-I-N. $23 in the U.S. in lots of different colors. The company is Up Dog Toys. This is for the four-leggers. U-P-D-O-G-T-O-Y-S. UpDogToys.com. It's a treat dispensing dog toy with a modern modular design. Put treats into the flaps and let your dog toss and roll the Odin to get treats out. Attach two or more Odin toys to keep the toy fresh and change the way your dog plays with the toy. Again, $23. Different colors are available. Our puppy loves this thing. She's so small that the Odin is almost as big as she is, but she just loves rolling this thing around for hours. So go to the video on their website to see the Odin in action. If you have a dog at home, put this Odin in their stocking on the mantle or however you give your gifts at the holiday season or any season. This will be the best gift you will give to your family and to your family dog. The holiday gift guide is returning next week with more great products from Nemo's Hardware Store. Thank you, John. And as ever, all of the uh, links are in the show notes. Um, I haven't mentioned it for a while. We do have an Amazon affiliate link, and uh, I believe it's working. I believe it's working. So if you want to uh, help us out with a few pennies, click the Amazon affiliate link on the website and then do your shopping and we will get a little bit of money. Uh, and now is a very good time to do that because what with Black Friday, Cyber Monday rearing its head in every single affiliate marketing email that I've been getting over the last week, it means that we can generate just enough price. And when we go ahead and buy things like the hosting and all that sort of stuff, I really do search around and try and get, you know, the best deal for you know, performance versus price. And without your generous donations and clicking through on the Amazon links and our lovely, lovely Patreon people, uh, we wouldn't be able to do the show. So a big thank you. And again, any link you see that goes to a product, we'll more than likely go to Amazon. But on the complete opposite scale of that, if you can support local, please shop local. So I've completely contradicted myself. <laughs> well, unfortunately, as it happens this week, um, John's John's links are not available uh, via uh, Amazon. Uh, sorry, that's not true. The Updog toy is available from Amazon US, but it's uh, only on Amazon UK by third-party sellers who are asking £69, which is basically, so basically three, times the, the say, three times the wow. price you can get. Three times the price it is in the US. So, so great. We, I've just done all that work to promote Amazon and just shot us right in the foot. Brilliant work. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, no, welcome to the show, you, Jeff. If you want the dog toy, you can buy it from Amazon US. And you can still buy it through our affiliate link. There you go. Anyway, enough of that shenanigans. Um, I thought we'd do a few quick stories. So the one that uh, that, that uh, interested me is the iPhone XR is a pretty good deal in historical terms. Um, and this was on Reddit. It's uh, it's a chart. Uh, it shows basically uh, the launch price of uh, all the iPhones over time adjusted for inflation um and what it shows is that at the moment the iphone xr at 749 dollars uh compares pretty favorably with the 5s 6 uh 6 plus uh in fact it's pretty favorable all the way up 
to the eight plus. Um, and then when you, you get the 10, the 10S and the 10S Max, which are all way, way ahead. So, but that's an interesting little chart. Um, link. The, the, the XR really has slaughtered the eBay market as well, by the way. If you look at the price of iPhone Xs, uh, I was contemplating maybe selling a few gadgets to get one and they were trending around the six to six fifty mark and now it's the six to five fifty mark. So the XR really has sort of taken apart nicely the iPhone X uh range on eBay. Just as an aside note, what phone have you got there, Jeff? I have an iPhone ten. I did not upgrade this year because um even though I really like what the the ten S camera can do, um I just, I just had a feeling that I needed to spend my money on something else, and then sure enough, the new iPads came out. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, and it, it's a lot of money for a phone, isn't it? When you've got one that's only a year old. You know? Yeah, and now, now, granted, up until uh, uh, a week or so ago, having the latest and greatest was just part of my job because I needed to be able to talk intelligently and firsthand about these products. But even still, when it came time to buy the 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 10s, I just I, I, I was okay holding off this year. Yep, yep. I mean, I shall be uh, looking to replace my seven. That's my a seven. really good phone. It is a really good phone. Um, it is. But my contract will be coming to an end uh, at the end of the year, so I shall be looking to get an XR. I think because I, I can't justify I can't justify the price of the uh, you know the uh, 10s. The XR, for what everyone is saying, is basically if you sacrifice the screen, you're pretty much sacrificing nothing else. Yes, the the flagship model does slightly outperform, but is it a few hundred bucks worth of outperformance? And generally what everyone is saying, no. It's like if you've got the money, people will always buy the latest and greatest. For those who can't, they're going, you know what? The the XR is it's probably the most comfortable phone you could buy without FOMO. You know, I think most people wouldn't even notice the difference in the screen. When when I went into my local Apple store to look at the, the XR, uh, I, I forgot that it doesn't have the OLED screen. The, uh, Apple's done such a great job with the display on that phone. Uh, where you can see the difference, like easily see the difference, if you know what you're looking for, is if you take uh uh the xs and the xr and hold them side by side or a 10 and and the xr and hold them side by side when you look at text that's where you can really tell the difference so the the text on the xr is just a little bit less crisp than it is on the 10 but if you're not looking at them side by side you, you don't notice no it's it's a really nice screen i i you know, there's all these stories circulating all of a sudden that, you know, the XR is going to be a flop and there's warehouses full of unsold ones and they've pulled a load of um, production lines and also, do you know what I say to that? Horse feathers. Yeah, there's a Brianism for you. Horse feathers, my friend. Uh, the XR, <laughs> I'll tell you what my, this is my view. I think that the XR will sell consistently for probably a good nine months to quote unquote, you know, average joes those who are not totally tech obsessed it's a, a reasonable price it's a really good phone it's the latest one and people like me who are waiting for the end of their contract 
will wait to the end of their contract and then they'll get an XR because uh-huh. I think they feel the price of the, you know, the 10 and the people who, who love to have the absolute, you know, top of the range. Those are the people who have made sure that their contract or they're on the, you know, the, the upgrade plan or whatever. They're the people who are waiting with their finger hovering over buy on the second, the pre-orders come out. So those phones have a massive spike in the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they tail off, whereas something like the XR, I suspect there'll be an initial hump, but it, it won't tail off anywhere near as much. That's my view. I think that will sell, continue to sell steadily for nine, ten months. I think it will sell steadily until Apple decides to get rid of that model. That is I, also, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I know people that are like really serious into their tech. And they're choosing to upgrade to the XR instead of the XS or XS Max because the 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 overall feature set is what they want. the The screen is really good, and the price is is so much better than the other models. Well, let's face it: if you <laughs> it, it, you know if you think about it in real terms, you could buy an iPhone XR and the standard ipad for the price of getting an xs yeah or you could get an xr and an apple watch exactly no that's a that's a nice uh, deal that, isn't it? that's, that's quite the a, that's quite a difference me. uh it's i've ho- held off buying the latest apple watch because i'm sort of thinking there's rumors of new airpods and hands down i've i think the airpods are probably going to win my gadget of the year for the second year in a row purely because it's the second year in a row my heads haven't been snagged by a stupid cable mm-hmm. <laughs> i will i will put up with the halfway through a phone call when i know that i've been talking way too long i will put up with the very rare occasions that are oh, great i haven't charged my phone case but stick it on charge for 10 minutes i'm good to go for a couple of hours uh, I'm just very excited for the new AirPods. I'm looking forward to new AirPods as well. Uh, and and I love my first-gen AirPods. Um, my trick, if I know I'm going to be on the phone a lot, I only put one in. Yep. And uh, uh, and then when that one gives me the doodly-doo that it's about to die, then I pop the other one in. Yep. That, that's the same that I'm doing as well. Um, the just coming back to the iPhone for a second. I mean, obviously, Jeff, you've been in the Apple ecosphere for a long, long time. Do you think that Apple can sustain and keep growing, pushing out a thousand pound phone every year? Or do you think inevitably there is it's going to have to be a case of, you know what, it needs to come down a bit just to be sustainable? This is what the market is. It's not just Apple that's charging a thousand dollars or a thousand pounds for for smartphones yes there are tons of really cheap smartphones out there but but if you look at at the uh the higher end phones the stuff that that's supposed to go seriously head to head with an iphone they're all in that same price range and and samsung beat apple to that to that price point so i think this is just what the market is and i think the thousand dollar phone is going to stick around for quite a while and I think that Apple uh, is looking at that from from a more realistic standpoint, which is if someone's paying $1,000 or more for a phone, they probably aren't that interested in replacing it every year. So Apple is is doing their business model or, or uh, projecting the business model onto that. And, and I mean, they, they totally tipped their hand at that when they were talking at their media event 
uh, was it, I can't even remember now. I think, I think it was at the iPad launch event where they talked about, about uh, uh, supporting products for years and years and, and uh, talked about people still using the, the, the 5S. Yeah. That- well, you know, they pretty much maintain uh, support for their iDevices for at least five years. Right. Okay. And, and that's, that's really impressive. I mean, being able to put the current, whatever the modern operating system is on a five-year-old phone and have it run well, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yep, the one, it is. The one thing that people sort of do, uh, not they don't talk about, sorry, is the iPhone 8s. Because we've done it ourselves. We've gone, oh yeah, the iPhone 7 is really, really good. And I've not heard anyone really sort of go back in when they, you know, when they talk about the phone range. The 8 just seems to be that sort of almost forgotten vehicle. Unless I'm, I think unless the thing with the, the 8, because um, my wife has an 8 and it's a really nice phone. Um, it's a great phone. It's a really, really good phone, um, you know, but I think it was eclipsed by the 10. All I the focus right. was on the 10. And unlike the, uh, you know, the XR, it was just a continuation of the 6, 7, 7S, you know, series. It didn't really mm-hmm. look much different from the 6 or the 7. So I just, I don't think it was, it was a bad film, a uh, phone, and I'm pretty sure it sold, you know, in shed loads. It's just, it doesn't get mentioned because it was just eclipsed by the 10 because the 10 was new and different and shiny. So that's where everybody's paying attention. You know, if if, if Ford brought out, uh, you know, two two new cars and one's a new body shape and one's just a, a revised version of the sedan they've been bringing out for the last five years which one's going to get the press time yeah it's it's yeah. the new different thing exactly and i i think you're right that this was a phone that was unfairly forgotten and and, and when i say forgotten I, I know him being hyperbolic there because it's it's not a forgotten phone and it's it's still something that apple is selling and showing prominently in uh, in their stores, and I mean, it's easy to find on their website. I say that, but let me double check and make sure that's right. Well, yeah, as far as I'm aware, they're still selling it. Yeah, if um, I click on iPhone, um, there it is: iPhone XS, iPhone XR, iPhone 8, all in a line, right there. Yep. Uncle Tim has promised donations for the latest California wildfires. As we were saying in the break, Jeff, uh, you know, nice to see Apple and Uncle Tim stepping up uh, yet again and doling out some cash, doing the right thing. I think we call that, don't we? Yeah. Uh, Yes, it is. It's nice. It's unfortunate that this is something that has to be news. But man, with with the various things that have been going on and especially with the the insane fires in california right now it's oh, uh, monstrous aren't they unbelievable oh, it's horrible absolutely horrible um yeah it's nice to see apple stepping up and, and saying okay we're we're part of this community we're we're going to to throw money at this problem to to help also, Elon Musk uh, sort of made an attempt to help as well, didn't he? Saying the Tesla S and the X, or I can't what they're called now, uh, have got HEPA filters. So if they if anybody wants to, you know, if, there's, if they can help, they will. And I thought that was quite a, a stylish, you know, little tweet. It did feel a little bit like, oh yes, by the way, it, I, the cynic in me was thinking, is that just a bit of a sales ploy thing? But I'm choosing this time to think he did it for the right reasons because you can't help but like crazy Uncle Musk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
Oh dear. Right. A um, dude sent a car into space for no other reason. He sold a flamethrower because he could. That, my friend, is someone that I want to. I want on this world. <laughs> I have to say the whole the flamethrower thing. People made a huge fuss about that, but it was a t- stunt. It's a roofing torch, not a flamethrower. Don't care. Still want one. <laughs> <laughs> go, down, go down to B and Q and get a weed burner then. And just paint it to look like an Elon Musk flamethrower because it's exactly yes, the same thing. Yes, but then it's like it's the Apple effect. It doesn't have the Tesla logo, so it's just a roof burner. <laughs> this is a flamethrower, right? Yes, I'm a victim of marketing, but God darn it, if I could get hold of one, I would do. Okay, uh, right. Well, Samsung showed off their folding smartphone, or that's how it's been reported all over the web, and it makes me cranky as. Uh, as Bart would say, because it's not a phone, it's a bloody demo unit of the screen. Thank you very much. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> yes, but, they, but that's not clickbaity, is it? Oh, Samsung demonstrate folding screen. Nope, Samsung should demonstrate folding phone. Win. Yeah, except Royoli yeah. beat them to it with a one, although theirs folds the other way round. I, I have to say, if it's real, and I'm sure it probably is, incredibly clever because, I mean, the the Royoli one folds around the outside so that you have, you know, a gentle fold, a, a, a bending mm-hmm. of the screen. The Samsung one appears to literally fold the, the screen in half like a piece of paper. Now, yeah. I don't, how long is that going to stand up before it starts to suffer? How are uh, you going to do that without damaging it? I don't know. So the uh, the number of folds it's supposed to handle before deterioration or starting to to break down, it it, it was like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. So uh, so I was on the big show the other day, and uh, and you and Rankin he he did the math and to just to condense that down, basically you can use this phone for three years straight before you ever have to start worrying about what's going to happen at the bend. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty bloody clever. If it works, if it uh, works. Yep. And um, as, as Tim Baharan said, when he came on this show as well, uh, you know, we're not sure if a foldable screen device is actually going to be a thing. It's either going to catch on and be the next big thing, or it's going to nosedive like 3d TV and, disappear in a swirl of disappointment yeah that, you know the place that i do want to see it succeed is in tablets yes that was exactly what i said to tim you know never mind a phone but wouldn't it be great if you you know if you had an ipad pro you could have an ipad pro that was 20 inches and fold it down to you know and fold that in half yeah that would that would be something and i'm yeah. sure most people would fold their tablets a whole hell of a lot less than you would be opening and closing your phone probably yeah and, and this would be great for uh for high end ebook readers so you open up the the ebook reader as if it were a literal paper book mm. and uh and yeah i think it would be great there too so no we don't know yet um the other uh is it um Huawei are also rumoured to be uh, presenting a um, a foldable screen device later this year or early next year. So uh, we'll have to see where that goes, really. My my other concern about it, of course, is what are you going to cover the screen with? Because at the moment we cover our screens with lovely, super hard Gorilla Glass. You're not going to be putting Gorilla Glass on that, are you? Gorilla Glass is great, but one thing it doesn't do is bend. That's right. And how are you going to put a case on this? Because 
If you, mm. if you drop a, a phone with a screen like this, my assumption is that you've just ruined your phone. So we shall have to see where that one goes. Um, and talking, you know, we were talking, you were talking about cheap uh, smartphones, Jeff, earlier. Xiaomi um, are coming to the UK looking apparently to take on Samsung and Apple. They're bringing their new flagship phone to a physical store in Shepherd's Bush. But they are going to sell their new phone for, I believe, five nine nine. Um, whether I don't th- personally, I don't think that that's any threat to Apple. People who buy Apple Kit buy Apple Kit. But if they can sell a flagship phone at sort of two thirds to half the price of a Samsung, I think Samsung might have a bit of a problem. Oh no, four nine nine. I tell a lie. It's four nine nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's marketing, though. It's an unknown product. Get it into the country. It's not an unknown Drop product, the price Mark. On... It's one of the top-selling phones in China. It's the top flagship. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, in China, yes. But over here, where we've had the Western press, and we all know that they got heavily slapped by the USA uh, for spying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing that Samsung do. It's like Samsung spend millions and millions of pounds on having their name everywhere. Like I went to the petrol station the other day and on the petrol filler cab, there was an advert for Samsung. It's, it's almost like they're going down the subliminal advertising route. They're just everywhere. Well, I, I'd be interested to see what happens with the Xiaomi phones because reviewers have, um, although it's only been available in China, others who've got hold of one saying, you know, this would do very well if it came to the, you know, the US or Europe. And if they're going to sell it for 500 king at 500 pounds, I mean, it's 6.2 inch AMOLED screen, dual 12 megapixel rear camera, uh, Snapdragon 845 processor running a customized version of Android. Well, don't they all? And it's going to start at 499 in a strategy Xiaomi call honest pricing. So there you go. Um, that, that sure sounds like a Samsung competitor to me, not an iPhone yeah. competitor. I don't think it's going to affect the Apple simply because, you know, the differentiator with Apple is it's Apple. But I I think that could uh, put some fairly hefty disruption into the, uh, you know, into the flagship market of Android phones in the UK. Uh, Just a snippet. This one, this one is um, Mac Jim might have sent us this one in. Uh, AI news anchor makes his debut in China from NPR. Uh, I don't have either of you boys seen this. I have. And it's the 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 graphics for this AI news anchor are done so well that if you don't know it, it would be easy to assume that it's just some guy. Mm. Uh, and uh, and they, and they've done pretty good with the 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 voice inflections. So it, I mean, it's it, it sounds like a um, like a news anchor that needed to have. Uh, one more cup of coffee before going on the air, but yeah, it, it comes across as as very human, which I find to be just fascinating because I also it's quite in, you you say that about about the um, you know he sounds like he could have done with one more cup of coffee, but of mm-hmm. course he is an AI modeling a Chinese person speaking English. Yes, yeah, so it, it may be that that uh, his. I'll call it a performance. It's so good that it's actually completely accurate for for uh, someone that would be in that position. He's also apparently modeled on um, a real 
Chinese news anchor person. And as well, there is apparently also a Chinese speaking AI uh, news anchor as well. Um, so I guess if you were, if you actually spoke, I guess, uh, Cantonese or Mandarin, I don't know what you're speaking in, you'd probably be able to tell whether they were a bit sluggish or, uh, or not. Mm-hmm. As I don't speak any Chinese languages, I can't, <laughs> I can't help you out with that one. Perhaps Wei Han can. Perhaps we'll get Wei Han to tell us. Um, oh, yeah. Totally do that. Uh, I, th- I found that uh, interesting. Yes, it's a long way from Max Headroom. Let's pull it that way. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a long way from Max Headroom indeed. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, we've got a couple. I've got a couple of worth of uh, chirps here. One's the prompt two, Jeff, that you uh, were talking about earlier. And the other one is the Throwboy iconic Apple pillows. Um, they're not cheap. I have to say they come in to about $40 a piece. But there's um, a set of pillows. You can have an Apple II computer. You can have uh, the 1984 Mac. You can have uh, a 1998 iMac. Um, You can have an original white iPod, uh, an original uh, iPhone. And uh, then there's a finder icon and the spinning spinning wheel of death, all available as uh, plushy cushions. They start from about $25 and they go up to, yes, $40. So there you go. A little bit pricey, but might be a a gift for the Apple uh, lover in your life, I suppose. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up then, shall we, boys? Uh, Jeff, would you like to uh, do the bit where you tell everybody where you can be found? I can totally do that. Uh, You can find me over at textexpander.com. And uh, uh, I have to say... Working with Smile is is uh, pretty cool. So textexpander.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm jgam at both places. And wow, it's it's great to be back on with you guys. You're so much fun. Brilliant. Cheers. That's praise indeed from someone who's been in the industry uh, and with such a rich background as yourself. Oh, you guys rock. If you want to get hold of me, uh, I'm on at Ocean Speed. I do tweet occasionally uh, at Essential Apple. I keep threatening to do my second YouTube video, but I haven't quite got there. Uh, I did actually go out today and try and shoot some B-roll footage, uh, but the app seemed steadfastly to acknowledge where I was. So I'm going to have to go out yet again and try and finish this blinking video. And I've also done a Wish.com haul because that seems to be the popular thing that people do on the internet these days uh, and of course every now and again at essentialapple.com go there i am writing a piece about the demise of dragon dictate uh, because it still rankles me a little bit <laughs> okay uh, i am of course on the twitters as at serenak that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k and that's it i think so yep goodbye thank you for coming on jeff and goodbye everybody cheerio You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. 
This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. Well, and I'm going to make bison chili for dinner. It's it's cold and snowy, so I need to get all of that into the slow cooker. So apparently we're all off oh, to the kitchen. See, we are indeed. We all could off have to done this. All right, Jeff. Next time you're on, we're going to do a slow cooker episode because I love my slow cooker. <laughs> oh, we could do a whole episode on slow cooker. We will make that happen. That might actually be the Christmas special. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Oh, Apple and Amazon strike a deal to directly sell more product. Yeah, it's because it's um from what I read, that all sounds very nice until you realise they're probably going to use it as a way to squeeze out third party sellers. Well, yeah, that I I can see where this would impact a lot of the third party sellers. Although I don't expect that you're going to see discounts that compete with third party resellers. No, it's, this is going to be stuff where, where you're paying Apple's list price for products. So it's definitely a convenience thing. But for those people that are that are looking for a way to buy their Apple products um, without having to pay quite as much, they're still going to be looking other places. Yeah. And, uh, and at, at least here in the United States, with the way sales tax laws work, a lot of these third-party resellers won't charge you sales tax because right. uh, because of where you live. And uh, uh, with Amazon, you're always going to be paying the sales tax. So, yeah, I can see where this could have an impact on some of the third-party resellers. But for those people that are looking for those deals, they're still yeah, going to be going to those places. I, I, I think also it's probably... Um... I suspect what they're looking at it to do is possibly to shut down a lot of these really cheap Chinese white label associated products. Oh yeah, yeah, so, I can see know, that. Cheapo, cheapo um, lightning cables, for example. You know, um, yeah. Although in my experience, it doesn't matter how much you pay for your lightning cables. I bought lightning cables that cost me ninety nine pence and were brilliant. And I've had lightning cables I've paid ten, eleven pounds for, and they've lasted a week. Yeah, price for, is no indication of quality with bloody lightning cables yeah for me it's about the company that's making the cable the best the best ones i've had recently came from a company what were they called something like true idea something like that and they were black cables uh-huh 
uh, with a, with like a spring or an erupt, you know where the sort of the reinforcement piece is at the end next to the plugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had uh, like uh, rather than uh, just a plastic piece, they had a metal spring about it's about an inch and a quarter long, which is supposed to prevent the ends from getting kinked. And I have done that myself. Yeah, on... I've seen people do it with pen with pen yeah. springs. Ta- take apart a pen, pull that spring out. Yep. But um, these these are like extra tightly wound, so they're more like um, oh, like really a coil. springy, yeah. yeah. So they're really springy, and they're supposed to be. Um, I bought a packet. I think they were ten for ten pounds. Crazy, stupid wow. cheap. And um, they were allegedly guaranteed for a year, but uh, there we go. <laughs> and they've been really good. They're really, really good. The only one that's broken, I think, uh, was one that my daughter managed to sleep on. So uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think that constitutes fair use, really. Because <laughs> you no. bent it right over, right over, you know, bent, laid on it so that the, the wire was bent over 180 degrees. It's like, no, I think that's, that, you know, I'm not going to blame the cable for that. Yeah. Yeah. The cables that I've been buying that I've been having really good luck with are the the ones from rad tech all right yeah uh that they they have a um um it's like it's like a braided material like a fabric oh yeah yeah over the cable where where the cable goes into the connectors it's reinforced and uh i uh the the place where i would kill cables consistently oh yeah was in my car (laughs) and uh i've had one of these in my car for two years and it and it still looks brand new. So I, when, when I need replacement cables, I just buy uh, buy one from Rad Tech. I should look and see if they have a, a straight through USB C cable. Now that I have the new iPad Pro, yeah, probably. Yeah, oh, let's have a quick look. Have a quick look. Let me oh, see. Oh. What does the duck tell me? That's what search engine do you use, Jeff? Well, I'm sorry. I was reading on Rad Tech's website and completely missed what you just said. Oh, it's okay. No one ever really listens to what I've got to say anyway. It's why the it's why the viewing the listening figures always plummet whenever I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously, it's like Simon had a good run. I come on the show as the ex host of the show and it's all tailed off into oblivion again. Oh, I was gonna say what search engine are you using these days, Jeff? Oh, I'm still using Google. Oh I do yeah. I always find it funny, you get people who use a VPN, but then sometimes they still use Google. And, well, see, the thing is, when you're doing searches because you need to see what other people are seeing, you have to use Google for that. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, if I'm just doing my own thing, a lot of times I'll use DuckDuckGo, even though I may not always get the results that uh, that I need. Uh, DuckDuckGo is pretty good. Yeah, it's used made Duck, big strides. Tell you what, I did try the other week just for um, just for a laugh. I tried to use Bing. Oh, some sort of a masochist. Yep. Yep. Uh, I tried to use Bing. I gave it because you know, Microsoft are going off. Oh, you uh, if you do searches thus, you earn points, and points can be turned into prizes. It's a shame I'd have to do about a bajillion searches from now into eternity just to be able to afford a blooming Skype credit voucher. But I thought, nope, I'll give it a go. They're pushing it hard. Useless. Absolutely useless. Well, it looks like you're out of luck, Jeff. There's no USB-C on there at the minute, is there? There is not. Um... USB-A to USB-mini. USB-A to USB-micro-B. 
Yep, oh, they have, no they have an extension cable for USB-A. Yeah. No, you're out of luck there at the minute. I am. Oh, T. That's what you meant by a refreshment. Oh, yes. We all like a, it's, uh, we all like a good brew here in the UK. You know, um, uh, I was over in the UK several weeks ago, and it was my first time, and... Uh, I have a new appreciation. I've always been a tea drinker, but man, I have a new appreciation for tea now because <laughs> I was sorry. Go on, Jeff. Go on. Just, oh my God. It just made such a difference. I, I know part of it is because I, I was at sea level. So water boiled at the right temperature at uh, where, where, uh, where I live, I'm more than a mile above sea level. So, uh, blimey. So water where I am boils, uh, on the Fahrenheit scale, six degrees lower than it does at sea level. Ah, uh, no, that's no good for the tea, Jeff. That's no good for the tea. It's got to be a hundred because it's got to do its magic uh, with things. I've, I've, I've <laughs> as my leaving present from work, I got bought some um, Arabian uh, tea uh, tea bags. Absolutely lovely. And I went to the shop the other day and I bought some cheapy ones, and it's like drinking dust i'm just trying to get through them as quick as possible <laughs> so i can go back and get the good stuff no i get it it's when i was first uh learning tea years ago uh i i thought all tea was just american lipton tea oh lord that's not tea that's uh, oh no i mean it doesn't even taste like tea and yeah, yeah, I don't even know what kind of tea it's supposed to be. I mean, it's black tea, but what is it? Because black tea doesn't tell you what the tea really is. No, it doesn't tell you anything whatsoever. Yeah, it, it's basically like saying, uh, like here in the UK, you can get uh, mince, which is minced meat, but you can't call it uh, minced beef because it doesn't have 5% meat in it. So you can call it mince. It's like uh, another example is... Um, cheese slices well to call it cheese slices it has to have a certain amount of cheese in it so they call them uh triangles or yellow triangles because it looks like cheese and it's the same color as cheese but you can't call it cheese because it doesn't have something like 10 percent cheese in it or something <laughs> yeah and here that that would be uh, a cheese product yeah well the the the, uh, the cheese slices quote unquote that he's talking about are the uh, the sort of cheese you get in burgers at McDonald's. Oh, craft! <laughs> uh, another good one is craft slices. Yeah, yeah, craft slices. Craft slice? they, they have those here. Yeah. I have a dairy allergy, so so yeah. I luckily get to avoid that really crappy stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can well, go you buy craft to, slices, no and then in, in small print it says cheese product. Yeah, so they they don't even highlight we... cheese in the name. And this is what we do to our guests with such grandeur as Jeff. We get them on. We talk about tea and cheese. <laughs> no, at least it's not a cheese truck. We need to rethink the schedule. Right. <laughs> this has been the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.